ahead and do that. That'll be great. Um, Pastor Drew, our rector, um, a fearless leader here. He is actually preaching at a church uptown this morning. So our prayers continue with him as he's preaching and sharing the word with a sister church this morning. And so uh, Pat did a fantastic job recapping where we're heading with this discipleship sermon series. And today is the final sermon in this series. And he recapped the three things, the three core things of our discipleship groups or just the discipleship of our lives, period. It's prayer confession, and lastly, study of the Bible. And so today we will end our sermon series by talking about the importance of studying the Bible. And we're going to answer the question, ask and answer the question, why is it important that we study the Bible? And secondly, why is it important that we study it together as a community? Amen? And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to be coming from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. We're going to focus to begin on that first part of uh, chapter 3, verses, verse 16, and then we'll kind of launch out from there. I'll move this over just a little bit. And then we'll launch out from there into the rest of the sermon. And so, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, a very popular verse, a uh, passage of scripture, and it reads, All scripture is god Breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me, friends. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. Oh, thank you. For your breath. Oh Lord God, thank you that you've been kind to allow us to breathe your breath again this morning. We know that a time will come where, you, where our breath will return from whence it came. We just thank you so much for it today and we pray that as we've poured out ourselves and worship unto you this morning and as we've communed together and greeted each other, and you've been present through all of that, Lord God. We thank you. We pray that you would continue to be present as we hear your word proclaimed and preached to us this morning. That you would be softening our hearts and preparing our minds to be receptive. And, oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that as your word goes out, it would indeed accomplish in every single one of us exactly what you've sent it forth to do this day. That we would indeed become the people of God that you're calling us. That we would be saved this morning. That we would know the life-giving breath of God our Father. Oh Lord, breathe afresh into us. Grant me clarity in proclaiming your truth. Conviction. And again, your effectual power. Oh, Lord, be with our children as they are learning your truth. And, Lord God, would you prepare their hearts so when that time comes, they would believe and embark on this journey of life with you, Father God, this blessed, amazing journey of full life. Lord, we give you the honor and the glory because you indeed are worthy of all of our praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Praise be unto God. I, I wanted to mention before we got into it that I noticed how many of you wanted to dunk me last week. <laughs> and I thought it would just be the children, but it was many of you adults. I thought you loved me, but I'll get you back. <laughs> I remember you guys. Every Henley that stepped up dunked it. Except, I think one, except Luke. And I think that's only because he couldn't quite get the ball there. But all the rest of them got me, so I, I, I remember that. But praise be unto God. It was a lot of fun. Praise the Lord for Christy. But several, several years ago, when I was um, still in college, uh, I started fellowshipping with this church uh, near where, where I'm from, down in Clayton County. And this church was filled with a bunch of young, aspiring preachers like myself. And they were starting a preaching cohort or a preaching class, and I, I wanted to jump in. And so um, they allowed me to join. And during the first session of the class, the pastor of the church, his name is Pastor Lands, he stood up in front of the class and he asked a very simple question. He said, where is God found? Where can we find God? Where can we meet with God? And in unison, all of these young preacher friends of mine just held up their Bibles without saying a word. They just held up their Bibles. And this moment has stuck with me all these years because I never considered God himself to be present in the Bible. I'd understood it to be his word, his communication to me about himself, but I'd never actually considered that God himself can be found by his people in the Bible. And I think that this passage that we're taking a look at today, this 2 Timothy chapter 3 passage, I think that it illustrates this truth to us in a very, very powerful way. And as we prepare for studying the Bible together, I want us to see how God is present in the scriptures, how he is placed himself in the Bible so that we can always meet him and see him there. So let's take a look at this text, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. We're not really going to get into 17, but 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and we're going to dissect it, right, like science class. We're going to look at, look at all the language. And it reads simply, it says, all scripture is God-breathed. Take a deep breath, everybody. God breathed. The word that the Apostle Paul uses here for scripture is the Greek word graphe. The Greek word graphe, and it's a word that means very specifically the writings or the written communication. Um, Betty, if you'll go to that next slide, I forgot to mark it there. Graphe. And it means writings or written communication. And the emphasis on this word graphe is the written or recorded communication of God to us as opposed to other forms of revelation of God like oral tradition or even as God is displayed in nature, which are both very, very important. But Paul here is speaking specifically about the written communication of God, the graphe, and he says that these writings, these written pieces of God's communication of himself, that they are God-breathed. 
And we understand this to mean that the scriptures, the Bible, is inspired by God, right? That it comes from God through the faithful writings of different men through thousands of years. We understand that. However, I think that this idea of the scriptures being breathed by God has fallen by the wayside. We, we, we haven't really considered that as much as I think we could. You see, the breath of God is an extremely extremely important, even central element to the story of God, to the history of God and, and creation. Consider Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, right? When God breathes into the, into the nostrils of Adam, bringing the first human being to life, right? Consider Ezekiel chapter 37 when the breath of God goes out into the valley of dry bones and brings those bones to life, right? Or even consider John chapter 20 and verse 22 when the resurrected Christ, after Jesus raised from the grave, he meets his disciples in that upper room, right? And what does he do right before he leaves them? He breathes on them. He breathes on them because Jesus is breathing life into this new church that has been born of his resurrection. Jesus is breathing life into his bride. The breath of God is life-giving whenever we see it in the scripture. The breath of God Gives life, but what makes the breath of God life giving? What makes God breathing life giving? Well, light, well, breath, the breath of God is the impartation of God Himself to us. The breath of God is his impartation of himself to us. It is the impartation of God Himself that animates us. It is the impartation of God himself that is the divine spark that is life. Where God is, life is. Where God breathes, things are brought to life. And so the scriptures are themselves alive and they are life-giving. The Bible contains, brothers and sisters, the stuff of life. This is why the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, he can say that the word of God is what? Amen, amen. It is alive, it is active, it is sharper than any double-edged sword. He can say that it is alive because God has breathed it. And that word that is used to say alive or living in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we have it up here. It's the word za'o. Everybody say za'o. You're all Greek scholars now. And listen to what one scholar, one writer says about this word, okay? He says, it doesn't mean simply to exist. For a thing can exist without living. To live is to have that peculiar property communicated by God to some parts only of his creation. God originates and sustains all life by giving out of who? Himself. So when we engage the scriptures, we are engaging the very life-giving breath of God. In other words, brothers and sisters, studying the scriptures is like mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. 
Every time we study God's word, he is breathing himself. He is breathing life into us afresh. And friends, there is a lot that has been going on in the world and in our lives that may be taking the wind out of our sails. There's a lot going on that may be knocking the wind right out of us, knocking the breath out of us. For many of us, it feels like our faith is falling flat and it feels like our faith may even be dying. And if that's you this morning, let me encourage you to go to where God has breathed and where God is still breathing. His holy scripture. We need to study the scriptures in order to have God resuscitate us. We need him to breathe afresh in us. We need him to revive us and to revive our faith. Amen? We need a little mouth-to-mouth resuscitation from our God. And this is what the scripture does for us when we give ourselves to it in study. Still, there is the question of studying community, right? Why are we here at Redeemer encouraging us to, to get into these discipleship groups and study the scripture together in groups? Well, one reason from history, if I can talk to you a little bit about, about the history of scripture this morning, is the intentions of those through whom God wrote the scriptures, those inspired to write the scriptures. And let's take a look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 16, another letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. I'm not sure if I have this uh, in, in, um, up there, but you can follow along with me. Uh, Colossians 4, 16, it says, After this letter has been read to you, See that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, which is a, a group of people in Bible times, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea, which is the city that the Laodiceans are from. And when the Apostle Paul wrote letters like these, these letters that we now have as, as scripture in our Bible, he wrote them understanding the people of his time. And what was, what was a, big situ, a big thing for people in that time, or, or um, a large demographic of the people at that time, they were illiterate. Being able to read wasn't very common. And so when Paul wrote letters like these to the churches, like Romans was written to the church in Rome, or, or Colossians written to the church in Colossae, or Corinthians written to the church in Corinth, he understood that they couldn't read, and so he never intended his writings to be used for individual academic or even individual devotional study. Right? This is why he tells them explicitly. He says, once this letter has been read to you, in order for people to get the scriptures, they would have to gather together. I said they would have to gather together. Right? And then they would have to have the scriptures read to them. And there was a communal reception of the scriptures. And when they wrote these things, they had these things in mind. And so for us today in 2021, when we make the study of the Bible a primarily individual endeavor, we miss out on the power of receiving truth in community. We miss out on the power 
for which the Holy Spirit inspired these men to write in the first place. And that, that is that as we come together, we are mutually encouraged through the study of the scriptures. Brothers and sisters, there is power, there is Holy Spirit power in studying the scriptures together. Let me give you an example of how this works itself out in group study. Here at Redeemer, I meet with a group of young, aspiring preachers, and we are just going through some books and talking about how we can discern and sharpen our gifts for preaching and teaching. And we were talking about specifically the metaphor in Proverbs chapter 17 of the promiscuous woman and how she stands for the deceitfulness and potential destructiveness of sin. And as we're talking about it, it's, it's two guys and, and one woman. As we're talking about all the different intricacies of the metaphor and things of that nature, the woman who was with us, she pointed out that as you guys preach this, you may want to consider that this may illustrate something that you haven't thought about to women. This, this illustration of a woman may communicate something that you haven't considered. And I found that extremely helpful because I don't know if you can tell I, I'm a man and I don't regularly consider what's going on readily in the mind of a woman. But without me studying the scripture with a sister in the faith, I would have never received such an insight. I would have never considered the fact that what I am reading as a metaphor of a woman is probably painting a different picture to my sisters than it is to me. Or how about on Wednesday night Bible study, right, when we gather right here on the corner and we're studying the scripture together, and I've studied, I've read the commentaries and all of that, and I get here, and someone just offers a very simple question that just shatters all that I thought I knew about the scripture. Oh, and when, when Dae Woon whips out his Greek commentary and pulls out a word that I completely miss and study and shows me something that completely revolutionized what I thought I knew about the scripture. There is Holy Spirit power to offer us insights in community that we may miss when we study the Bible alone. It's important that we study the Bible together because God, the Holy Spirit, loves to work in community. He loves for us to be able to, he loves to share things through one another to one another. And so another reason, brothers and sisters, why we study the scripture together is because it also offers us the opportunity to encourage one another through Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 19a, the first part, it says this. It says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit, from the Spirit. The scripture serves to bolster our community, brothers and sisters, as we sing and recite it one to another. As we speak it over one another, as we use it to encourage one another. Consider those moments, brothers and sisters, when you don't know what to say to someone. Maybe they're having an issue you can't necessarily relate to. Maybe they're just going through a really hard season and you don't know what to say. Well, let me just offer you a little piece of wisdom, a little piece of advice. Sometimes it's most wise to say nothing at all. Sometimes it's helpful to say nothing at all. But at other times, brothers and sisters, the best thing we could do to them is offer them the breath of life. 
Sometimes the best thing that we can do is offer them the breath of life by saying what we know to be true about us and about God from the scriptures. The other day, a friend of mine, he's actually my barber, a fantastic guy, he was sharing with me about some scary news that he had received and he was a little nervous about it and, and he'd been considering all of the worst case scenarios that this news could lead to and I could feel his, I could feel his angst as he shared it with me and I, I didn't know what to say to him because I was at a loss as much as he was for what was going on. But what came to mind at that point for me was Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Right? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, and whatsoever things are lovely. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, brothers and sisters, think on these things. And before I could even get to the end of the text, he had jumped in, he was joining me, and we were reciting it together, and by the end he was smiling having been reminded by the admonition of our Lord to think on what sort of things are good, pure, lovely, and true, instead of ruminating on what could be wrong. The scripture offers us the language to encourage one another in community. If you don't know what to say to someone, I, I encourage you to just say some scripture to them, brothers and sisters. Just offer them the breath of life. Offer them the breath of life. And lastly, brothers and sisters, not only does the scripture offer us language to encourage one another in community, the scripture also offers us the language for worship. It offers us language for worship. The rest of that Ephesians passage, chapter 5, verse 19b through 20, it says this. It says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we are looking for words to sing to our God in praise and in worship, we don't have to look any farther than the pages of Scripture. Contemporary worship music is great. I love it. But the best songs and hymns of worship can be found right in the pages of our Bibles. The Psalms offer us so much language for praise and worship and prayer and lament. The Bible offers us, brothers and sisters, words and language for communication with our God himself. If you don't know what to sing to God, I encourage you to choose a psalm of praise and sing it to the Lord. Don't worry if it don't rhyme. Just sing it unto the Lord. If you, if you don't know what to pray, brothers and sisters, choose a verse of petition unto God and pray it unto the Lord as if it's coming from your very own heart. Friends, let us study the scripture because it is the very breath of life to us. Let us study the scripture together because it is the very language of our communion, one with another. And brothers and sisters, let us study the scripture because it is the language of our communion with our holy God himself. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together, friends.
God, thank you so much for your holy word. Thank you that indeed your word is as a, is as a deep breath to a weary soul. Lord, I pray that as we pick up our Bibles this week, alone and together in community, that this would be our experience. A refreshing breath. A life-giving breath. From God our Father. Lord, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise because you indeed are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.